Hello, Locked On Guardians fans. It is I, your host, Jeff Ellis. I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day. If you're available on all podcasting platforms, apps, services, etc., if you get podcasts, you can get Locked On Guardians there. So, let's first talk about the obvious elephant in the room, which is quality or sound might be a little bit off. I am recording this in a car as I drive. We have had a few of these episodes in the past, and uh, we are going to have one and one to two, likely two, maybe even up to all three this week, this way. Uh, I have been always very honest up front and uh, treated the podcast family, Locked On Guardians team, as family. Um, so if you follow me on Twitter, you might have saw on Christmas Eve, um, my father was found uh, unresponsive by the police when I called for a welfare check. This might be too personal, but that is the situation, and he is not doing so well um, at the hospital. Uh, Friday, if I am able, I'm going to repost my interview with my dad, um, kind of in his honor. Um, currently, he's breathing with assistance, and I am driving back to Ohio to say goodbye. So that is where I am mentally. That is why the podcast is going to be sounding a little bit different, and that is why we are not going to uh, do the draft talk, because I'm recording this while driving, so it can't be something where I have to reference stats or listings or things I can look at. This has to be a podcast that can be done for these two uh, to uh, just be extemporaneous, as it were. These are going to be rougher episodes. I can't edit things out. I don't have my computer with me. I did not uh, bring it. It's not, you know, the, the reason for the trip, and I figured... You know, I have to hit my 17. I, I count on my, um, I count on the money that I get from doing this podcast as part of my living. And to not hit that number would be a net negative for me. Uh, it would be a significant loss of income. So I need to do that. So we have these episodes. I greatly appreciate anyone who's listening. Um, you know, maybe I'll get lucky. And when they extubate my father, he'll, he'll come around. Long story short, for those who are really interested, if you're not, you can fast forward. Uh, you know, thank goodness it was Christmas Eve because I was doing my best to find out, like, why is he not answering? This is odd. When I did the welfare check, they found him. Um, he he was able to. It appeared like another stroke, but then it turned out it's an infection. Um, if anyone's a doctor, they might you know understand this better. They've been trying to figure out exactly where the infection is and how it ended up bringing back his stroke-like symptoms. I guess your body can get so out of whack that that can occur. Um, my father was down for upwards of 24 hours, and then when we went to get a lumbar spark, a spike to try to figure out if it was encephalitis, his heart stopped. And that is kind of where I am now. Uh, it is December 26th. I had a Christmas with my father's heart stopping. That's correct. <laughs> That's how that all played out. Uh, you can't help but laugh because otherwise, what are you going to do? So again, I am. you understand now why this is sound quality, not as high. It is using that HD phone recording that we've done before. And why I am a little more scattered than normal. So that is, that's the background. That's the setup for these episodes. Um, again, you know, if you want up-to-date updates, uh, there might be some on my Twitter. I, you know, I'm just kind of... A little bit beat in general um so again i hope you'll all bear with me and you'll hope hopefully everyone will be understanding about um 
my last 48 and uh, kind of the mental state in terms of this podcast today. So what are we going to do? Well, let's. I had to sit here as I was driving. I'm, uh, I'm into the two-hour stretch of Indiana. For those who don't know, I live in Wisconsin now. My wife's a college professor, so we kind of go where the uh, professorship lands. I am a special education teacher, so I can pretty much find work anywhere. So we live in Milwaukee. Uh, I am now into that beautiful stretch of I-80 in Indiana where the ways or whatever you use is like for the next 278 miles, go straight. So it should limit background sounds. It should limit my ways speaking. I think I've still got 189 miles. I'm about four hours out from Akron General, as it were, on this drive-in. And, uh, you know, I had to think about this is the prime spot to get two, two recordings in, right? Two recordings that I can post up. So what should we do? Maybe we should do a positional review. Obviously, you know, it's, uh, I got the mailbag stuff. Can't really do that. I do all the draft stuff. Can't really do that. So uh, I can't go to a lot of what have been my main sources during this offseason. But let's just go through positionally. Let's talk about... Know, where the Indians are, a sleeper internally for each position, and then who I think is going to be at that position in the next five years. Again, caveat here is, over the course of these two episodes, that I'm doing this all purely from memory. This is it means I might forget a name. I very likely will forget someone. There's going to be a prospect uh, that is very obvious for the future of a position that I gloss over. Uh, that's going to happen uh, it, it's inevitable, so I'm giving that warning ahead of time. But let's let's go ahead and start off, and let's start off with one of the biggest positions of need for this team. Uh, if we are being 100% obvious, obvious, honest, honest and obvious, honestly, is catcher. Uh, Austin Hedges is Austin Hedges. He is a top three defender at the position, a top three framer, has a cannon for an arm, actually has plus power in his bat just has no ability to make contact consistently. I think there are better ball-to-bat skills amongst some co- uh, not college, amongst some of the pitchers, probably amongst some college pitchers as well, than Hedges has. I mean, the talent is undeniable. Like, if he could be, uh, if he could just have, like, a 40-grade hit tool, he'd, he'd be a top-five catcher. Unfortunately, I'd probably grade the hit tool at about a 30. I mean, raw power for him is a 60-65 grade. Uh, that's why he's so tantalizing. That's why, uh, especially when you look at the fact that he's like a 70-grade defender, uh, you have that whole package there. It's easy to see the uh, potential. Now, expecting him to magically become a, you know, just a suboptimal hitter uh, is foolhardy. Hedges is best served as a, uh, a very good backup due to his defense and power. And he actually runs pretty well for a catcher. Not just, you know, I would say close to a league average speed. Um, I mean, there are times where he was uh, like a 55 runner in the minors. So you got Hedges, and he is your maybe starter, maybe backup. I mean, if you look at some of the projection systems right now, the Cleveland Indians catcher is projected as Hedges and Leon. Uh, you know, I've made a lot of comments about Eniel uh, DeSantos, I believe, who being the one free agent signing, that's not fair. The other free agent signing was uh, bringing back good old Sande Leon. We'll see if that is the catcher situation. I still think they have to be active on the market. Now, the free agent market is very picked over. We saw Jan Gomes sign a deal uh, in the final days before uh, the whole free, uh, the lockout began. We saw Jacob Stallings get traded by the Pirates. 
I mean, there are some guys out there you could roll the dice on, some uh, low-value players, players whose stock is at a, a low point. Uh, was it Chance Sisko, the catcher from Baltimore, who never hit after being, like, the top catching prospect, one of the top three catching prospects in baseball for, like, half a decade. Uh, there, there's players like that, and you never know uh, where a catcher's going to come from. You go through, JT Romuto was never a big prospect was never a big name. I mean, it took him uh, kind of, with all the big names leaving Florida, for him to kind of raise to the degree of prominence he rose to. Uh, Jorge Alfaro, who is a bad defender and was supposed to be the bat-first catcher for the Marlins, but the bat wasn't good enough, had enough trade value to get traded. Uh, you know, the catchers bounce around, and I think it's, in some respects, the worst thing to do is trying a retread catcher. Often, with the catcher, there's we know the scouting reports. You're hoping if you're San Diego, well, maybe he'll hit. Maybe Alfaro will finally be. I mean, he was a bat, a first baseman slash catcher. Like he had a first base level of bat, and if he could be, you know, Omar Navarez. Now Navarez's defense is starting to trend upwards with the Brewers. But if he could have been that, then yeah, you're more than happy with him. If you are a, uh, you know, a Marlins or Padres fan. But yeah, I, I think in some respects you're better off trying someone new than trying a retread. So. You know, we're going to take our commercial break here. We're going to come back and continue talking about the catching position. Our first sponsor today is Built Bar. One of, our, I think, our longest running sponsor. And if you know anything about me and Built Bar, you know that I love this product. I use this product. And right now, if you go to their website, any bar that is on sale, I know when I looked in the past, you had Paranormal Pumpkin, which I bought, and Gingerbread, which is a flavor I love in general, are both on sale. Here's the fantastic thing. Those on sale ones that are already 20% off, you can still use the promo code LOCKED15. That LOCKED15 will get you 15% off the already 20% off. So anytime you see something on sale, you're going to save even more money at BuiltBar.com. They're great tasting bars. They are filling. They are my go-to breakfast. I have these every single day. Uh, when I'm teaching, it's often my breakfast and my lunch. I eat a lot of Built Bar, and I love it, and all the other hosts love it. And if you want to try out Built Bar for yourself today, then make sure to go over to BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code LOCKDOWN15. It helps us, and honestly, it helps you. Who doesn't want to save 15% on an order? That's a decent amount of savings, uh, no matter who you are. So, again, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKDOWN15. So, there's my so, so you know we're back. Never, you know, I've been trying to be conscious of that, but uh, as any longtime listener knows, uh, I cannot break myself of certain habits the same way I cannot break myself of the preconcern, preconcern, nope, preconceived um, pronunciations of what I think uh, names should be for certain players. So that uh, that's just part of the fun of the show. So and there we go. One of <laughs> one more so just for fun. Uh, when you're going through with this show today, uh, we said we were doing catchers and. We talked about where they are now in terms of the position. And Wilson Contreras is the obvious target, right? They Cubs signed Jan Gomes, who we mentioned previously. Contreras uh, is a good starter who is essentially a rental. So for the Cubs, you want to trade him because he's not really somewhat... Well, qualifying offers, A, might go away. There might be no draft pick compensation after this uh, uh, lockout. That's when one of those things has come up. And B is a one-year player. It's you know you're in, he's not a guy who would typically uh, give a qualifying offer to. So getting some value now makes sense, especially after going out free agency and signing a solid 
catcher type. So, yeah, there's just there's a natural deal to be had here. Now, whoever the Indians would trade would have to be at least someone on their 40-man to start with. You know, Jose Tenya has been the natural idea for a while. You know, maybe there's a world where you can expand it and get something like Contreras and Hap and trade out two to three pieces on the 40-man because the Cubs 40-man, uh, you know, they got space. They don't have, like, an overwhelming amount of talent. You know, Hap and Schwindel are both interesting guys who... Uh, Chris Valleca was there. Like, they specifically came up as guys who had worked with him, the Indians' new hitting coach. So there's a lot of logic uh, with Hap and Schwindel. There's also the, um, I'm blanking on the outfielder they got from the Giants as part of the uh, the deal for Chris Bryant, who hit a lot of home runs, who'd be kind of an interesting guy. But it's kind of a perfect situation uh, because the Cubs with Hawkins know the Indians minors well. There are guys he likes, I am sure. There are players he would love to have that he is familiar with, players that maybe he has a higher valuation on than the Indians have. You always have guys that are your guys. I was always significantly higher on Yandy Diaz than most. Uh, you know, now one can make a debate whether I was right or wrong on that. I mean, Diaz is still not proven to be an everyday player, but I think uh, for the most part, that seems like it was a wise call on my end. So there's like I said, if you can get a Hap, who's a two-year player, who you can just plug into one of the outfield spots and has already has that you know relationship with the hitting coach, and then you get Contreras, that's that's two upgrades. If you can trade like three prospects, maybe two, you know, two from the forty-man at least, maybe all three are forty-man guys. Maybe it's a situation where you look at some of those uh, players and they want someone like uh, you know Connor Pilkington you consider trading him how good you look at the starting pitching depth uh, no matter what though I think if you go out and make one of these trades you really need to try to trade two guys who are 40 man eligible now you need to get especially if you're adding two guys you got to get two that you're gonna move off of two guys you feel comfortable moving on from and then one I would say the third piece prospect should be one of the many that are because next year's crunch is just as bad right now so I'm all for doing, like, another player who needs to be added at the end of next year. Like, looking ahead to that degree uh, is almost a necessity right now for this organization. Uh, right now, looking at what they have in place, most people would say the catcher of the future is Bo Naylor. I don't think you can say that. I think uh, that is kind of... I would say it's lazy. I'm just going to put it on front street. Anyone who's saying Bo Naylor is for sure the catcher of the future is being lazy. Because Naylor was the big name. You know, he's got his older brothers with the team. Uh, Bo was a big prospect. He has been, at points, you know, a top four prospect in this organization. He was aggressively pushed by the Indians. But La Vasita has passed him. There's no, I don't see any conceivable reason outside. There isn't one. I mean, La Vasita is an excellent athlete as well. He was a middle infielder. Uh, Bo Naylor's backup position was third base. La Vasita played some second at times uh, in Juco. I think he's a better athlete than Naylor. Naylor is a very good athlete, don't get me wrong. Uh, but uh, Lavastida has hit better. Uh, the framing data is better. The production is much better. I don't... I think Naylor is a, a good prospect. He is still a top 10 prospect for me. Uh, but he had a very, very rough year. And I don't know if he has it, you know, how that affects trade value. He is one of those players you need to add to the roster next year to the 40-man. So he's got a year to kind of bounce back. But if he has another year like he had this year, especially at repeating a level, uh, then you start to get to that point where, like, is he, a, you know, a guarantee add to your 40? And I don't know if that's the case. So I think right now you have to look at, like, the 
the internal, the, the heir apparent at catcher being Brian Levistita. And yes, he's still got some work to do behind the plate. He's not a finished product. Uh, he, but he is a, he has performed. He is a good athlete. He is very, very quick twitch. He's not necessarily a plus runner or anything, but he's just, he's quick. He is one of those guys with good feet, good bat speed. He does everything right. He is one of those better finds they have had. And again, I wouldn't trust a prospect rating king that did not have Lavastida ahead of Naylor because Lavastida has done it at higher levels. He has done it better at the same level. And anyone who's like, well, athleticism, yes. Naylor is a good athlete. Lavastida is every bit the athlete Naylor is. I think right now he has totally elevated himself ahead at that position. So that is where I stand at catcher. Moving to first base, right now we're looking at Bobby Bradley at the position. Anyone who listens to the show knows that I think that this is honestly an upgrade position. Bradley was essentially a hot month and a half. After that, he became ice cold. Uh, there's not enough side tools for me to see a, tra- you know, a, a route to consistent success. I mean, maybe he turns into Jesus Aguilar and everyone's like, hey, I would take that. Jesus Aguilar is a more complete hitter. He walked more, didn't have the power potential. Bradley has more power. At the same time, Jesus Aguilar is now on his fourth team, uh, and you know he was scorching hot with Miami, and then the second half was not good. He, I was kind, I was surprised that they kept him. I thought he was a legit non-tender candidate. The Rays and the Brewers didn't want to pay him, didn't think he was worth the freight for first base. You know, one of those really kind of marginal first basemen. That's Bobby Bradley to me. Uh, you know, by all accounts, like a hard worker. He has put in the time. He is super strong. The walk rates have improved, but he, uh, you know, if you can go back, I, you know, I can't tell you the exact episode. I did a whole episode where I looked at the data and it's just, he does not have a good launch angle either. Like his swing does him no favors and he hits at a high amount of ground balls, which just, you know, we've talked about before. The Indians don't mind a high home run rate on a pitcher because most balls in the air end up with a net negative outcome. The amount of uh, negative outcomes from a ball in the air. The amount of times you will get a negative outcome when you are pitching, when you're on defense, when you're in the field, from a ball in the air is much higher than when it's on the ground. Beyond the overall potential negativity is higher. There's a worse potential outcome in the air, but the amount of, you know, when we're looking at just how, when this happens, what is going to result in a positive, positive or negative outcome is more likely that the team who is pitching is going to benefit from a ball in the air. You don't want your power hitting first baseman to have abnormally high ground ball rates. And, you know, he, he looked like the player we thought he'd be. I don't think uh, it should come as a surprise. So who ends up being the player of the future at first base? Uh, this is a good question on a lot of levels. Uh, you know, I realize a catcher, I didn't give you a sleeper. Uh, I, I don't really have a great sleeper for catcher. They don't have anyone. You know, if you want someone who... You know, Mike Rivera is kind of interesting. Uh, he did not play well, and it was a very abrupt. Maybe Michael Amadidis, who they thought was interesting enough to send to Arizona. I don't feel like I have a really great feel for a catcher in system uh, right now. But at first base, like your sleeper catcher might be Trenton Brooks after the year he had. Now he cooled down significantly, promoted to AAA, was not quite the same guy. But I don't think I talked about him his entire minor league career until this year, so that's still a sleeper candidate. Uh, first base is, I feel like, likely a position where we see someone converted. Um, could end up being along the lines of, like, I think Nolan Jones is probably what most people are thinking, and that probably makes the most sense. 
He is big, he is tall, he is athletic. There is a chance he could play in the outfield or third base. Uh, he doesn't look, he looks like a below average defender at those positions. It just might be easier to put him at first base and just let him be a bat first platoon type prospect. Um, let him be, you know, uh, plus Brent, Ben Broussard. I mean, they're different types, but it, there's some of that there. I mean, I don't know if he's ever gonna hit lefties, but you know, what, 70% of pitchers you face are righties. so. It's still the important part of the platoon. Uh, he would need, he likely will need a platoon going forward. We'll see. But uh, a lot of people are so down on Nolan Jones. And if you know me, you know I was very high on him due to his always being young relative to his level, his athletic profile, very good bat pip rates, very good uh, power, very good walk rates. There's a lot of positive signs with him. He was banged up most of this year. It was a weird year. I'm not going to quite like throw him completely to the side. He's probably about fourth or fifth ranked in system for me. But I think you still look at just the power and the walk rate and everything else, and he probably makes the most sense in terms of looking at a first baseman in the future. Uh, we're going to take a, another quick moment, come back, and let's talk second base in a second. So, uh, let's talk about betonline.ag, a longtime sponsor, betonline.ag, celebrating almost a one-year anniversary with us. That's pretty cool. When you go to betonline.ag, remember the promo code that is locked on. Locked on is the promo card over at betonline.ag. Whatever you like, whatever your sport, whatever, I mean, not even sport. You can look at esports. You can look, I mean, esports is a sports. But you can look at, you know, Vegas games. You can look at casino games, poker. You can bet on politics. Whatever is your thing, whatever you are curious about, whatever you want to go and put your money on, go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code locked on to get a 5-0, 50% bonus on your first deposit. Who doesn't want extra money? That is betonline.ag. Remember that promo code locked on to get 50% more on your first deposit. BetOnlineEG. Get in the game. So it's second base. Uh, another position that is kind of up in the air, right? Does anyone feel like they really know what the second base position holds for this Cleveland Indians team heading into next year? You know, we all have some ideas and thoughts that it might be Jimenez, since they seem very committed to the idea of uh, Rosario at shortstop, unless that is a commitment because they're trying to trade him. We'll have to wait and see. You've heard my conspiracy on that already. But if we feel like second base is going to be likely right now, uh, if you don't think it's a smokescreen, uh, Andres Jimenez. Now, there's a lot of reasons to think Jimenez is going to rebound. There are a lot of people who... You know, they love to throw out the data on Yu Chen Chang, and like, it's so weird that I have to be like anti Chang after having been like, I mean, I placed him third or fourth in the system at one point in time as a prospect. I've always said I think he can be an above average regular, uh, specifically at shortstop. Uh, you know, I've, I pulled that back to more of a utility role, and again, he was good in the second half, but all the data that gets used to support that, and hi, Rem, I love you, thank you for listening, and I love your passion, uh, but. It's the basic stats. It's, you know, I'm not going to get into the RBI debate with Hiram virtually right now or at all. But when you look at those advanced stats, you look at the expected weighted on base and things like that, which are more predictive, which have shown to better predict uh, what players are going to do in the future. And it's, I mean, that's just logical. If you take the guy who led the American League in RBIs last year, I don't know who that was. I don't pay attention. Sorry about that. Ways jump in there. Um, Yes, it is uh, the Dexter ways, for those who were curious about that. 
But when you look at the advanced, the more predictive data, and to kind of go back to my original statement, uh, you know, if you take whoever led the American League in RBIs last year, they were probably hitting, what, third or fourth in their lineup. Let's drop them to ninth and see if they're even in the top three anymore. It's, it's so much a matter of who's in front of you. And that's why RBIs are bad. And I know I said I wouldn't get into it, but that's, that's my point. That's why it's not predictive. Uh, the expected stats, I mean, they, they put him in as slightly higher in terms of expected stats for production than Chang. You know, if this team was in a full rebuild and they were going to ship Jose Ramirez out of town, which, like, every other host wants to talk to me about, let's let's discuss what a Jose Ramirez trade looks like. I'm like, I don't think it's going to happen, so there's no point to it. Uh, you know, then I would say, yeah, let's let's put Chang at third and see if we can get something there. Let's see if he can be that guy I kind of thought he could be. But right now, looking at this team with the overall depth that they have, uh, it's hard to find a spot for him. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we come back in a few years and it's like, man, why did they let him get away? Well, it's because they had so much depth. Uh, he might turn into someone who is a good player for the right team in the right situation. I more bemoan the fact that he didn't get opportunities. You know, I know he was hurt, and that was when we had um, you know, the Stamets and, um, oh, Blanket on the second baseman who came over in the loop low deal. Uh, who he was still playing in the big leagues last year, bouncing around. But we had that really terrible infield, and then last year where the, uh, you know, they had points in time where we could have seen other players. Or when Mike Freeman was out there for extended looks of time, I'm like, I know Chang wasn't playing Super One Triple A at the time, but let's just see what we got. We've, you know, you go back to that strike shortened season. Some of the the washed up bats they're running out there, it's like. Chang's young and athletic. He was a shortstop. I'm sure he could play outfield in a pinch. Let's figure something out for this team. Let's try some of these young players. Unfortunately, uh, that was not the case. I just passed into Ohio. Recording now in Ohio. Not a common occurrence for the show. Uh, but I think second base, you start with him and as they're likely. So that is my take on that. The free agent or trade market, I mean... I, Arizona seems about as inclined to trade Kettle Marte, and I know he's an outfielder now. He started out as the second baseman. You could always consider him there. Uh, they seem about as inclined to trade him as the Indians do Ramirez, so I don't see that necessarily happening. I, I think with the depth they have, I'm not really looking externally for a prospect at that position. Uh, I I think it has to be internally. You have so many middle infielders on the 40-man. you got to start giving these guys opportunities. Uh, in five years, who is it? I'm going to go with Brian Rocchio. Um, why Rocchio there instead of short? I think there's better defenders at short, and I think there's some other guys who could end up taking over that position long term. Uh, I think Rocchio is... <clears throat> he's not a bad defender. He's a really good athlete. He does a lot of things very well. Sorry about the voice clearing there. But I think of that shortstop group, I would rate him behind like Arias and Jimenez in terms of defense at the shortstop position. I think he is kind of the guy that I kind of naturally think maybe shifts to second base in that grouping. Uh, I think he's a very dynamic. I think he could totally handle it. But I just think what what they have and what they have done and what they've produced, uh, he is the one that makes the most sense to maybe try second base. I think he is the, the weakest defender of the group, even though he probably projects to be an above-average defender long-term. So, sleeper. Uh, a consistent sleeper at second base. 
I don't know the path to him even being added to a 40-man or this or that, but a guy who just keeps moving up the system steadily may never get a shot in Cleveland, but I think you have to talk about as like a deep sleeper with this organization. It could be taken in the Rule 5, honestly, as Jose Fermin. Uh, he's always been a young player for his level. He's always been a non-priority prospect. There's been so much middle infield depth. In a lot of other organizations, he would get a lot more run, but the Indians' middle infield depth is unreal. So he could, like I said, he could get snapped up in the Rule 5. I could see him as a utility type. It would not shock me at all if he became a regular. He has, like again, high-level production, age relative to level. Not necessarily high-level production, but just with his age, experience. Uh, he has played well at every stop. He is that guy, you look at that, you're like, oh, there's good physical tools. Not related to Felix, but I believe is related to another um, Major League Baseball player and or Minor League Baseball player. So there are some bloodlines. There's a lot of good things there. He's just buried. I mean, there's no other way around it. He is 100% buried in the Cleveland Indians organization. I want to thank you all for listening uh, again and remembering that sound quality and other issues, there's a lot going on. But uh, I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Lockdown Indians Podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. Uh, so much our little show grow. I want to thank you again for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day for being available on all podcasting platforms, apps, and the like. And as we end every show now, go, go, Guardians, go.